You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Alrighty, well, we're going to give this a second to uh, to get going here because I know that uh, <laughs> Chad did not make the uh, the link this morning. So um, that means that uh, we don't have uh, as many people here because there's not the, the, the link to click on before it's live. So he we'll gave, give it even an the extra. Keys to the children. The, the kids are running the show. Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. Like six, eight years older than him and like 25 years older than you. No, absolutely. Uh, Scott, you're, you're young at heart. You know, that's what counts. Um, but I'm going to click out this and share it. Um, I'm also going to post it on Facebook as well before we're really – off the ground and hopefully we can get some eyeballs in here. Um, but yeah, guys, it's Thursday morning. Um, this is Broncos for breakfast and, uh, well, we got to get our, uh, our other groups in here. What's going on? Maybe that one too. There we go. Let's, let's get it. Let's get it to it. There we go. Those are the ones you want early Broncos for breakfast. Nice. Well, not that early, uh, Dakota Weiss. Um, we're going to oh, be we've going... Only done two at this time. Yeah. So, that's going to be so the, the the new 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 bat channel, new bat hour. Yes, exactly. Um, gives us a little bit more time to uh, talk things through. Also gives me some time to uh, get into work where I'm not having to go 40, 50 miles hour uh, hour miles <laughs> over the speed limit. So uh, that's uh, it's all good. Um, I'm going to post this to one more group, and then we are going to be going because got to get got to get the eyeballs Ireland in here. from Ireland. Hmm. And uh, Scott, I never heard some uh, post coverage from you for uh, the the Gold Cup. Thoughts there? Uh, I was very impressed with the Gold Cup, and you know, Burhalter gets some. Uh, you know, before everybody gets here, I'll talk a little Gold Cup. Burhalter gets some stick, but I think I think that's his level. Honestly, um, it, it was this was a blue collar team. The European players, for the most part, weren't there. This so this team looked old school, not overly talented, hardworking U.S. soccer. Uh, which might be what Burhalter uh, excels at when the more dynamic players, the the higher quality players come back. Maybe he's not the guy, um, but it was it was a fun team to watch again. Um, just yeah. as hard as they worked, and you know, Atlanta United's Miles Robinson was just awesome. The the, the goalie uh, Matt Turner was was terrific, and I thought uh, Kellen Acosta. I thought those were the three standout players of the of the tournament. Well, awesome. Let's uh, let's get into it. That's good to hear. I'm glad that uh, it seemed like a fun nice game. Nice win. It probably cost Tata Martino his job. You don't lose, you know, two times in a row to the U.S. as a Mexico head coach and keep your job. Uh, probably not. Um, I, I have bragging rights over my good friend Danny. So uh, let's get it going here. Um, Dakota White House early Bronx for breakfast. Yeah, well, this expect us 7:30 uh, going forward. U.S. Dave says uh, yes. Say something Broncos. Uh, we'll get there, Dave. Luke. Something Broncos. Yeah, there you go. Nailed it. Luke Fenlon coming in from Ireland. Uh, beautiful, beautiful country. Have, have you been to Ireland, Scott? I have not. I've been to England a couple of times. I've been to France a couple of times. I've been a lot of different places, but I've not been to the motherland uh, yet. And considering that I have a son named Sean McAllister Kennedy. Yeah, mm. I mean, he, he's got a four-leaf clover birthmark on his butt. So I'm, I'm very Irish. I need to get over there. It's a beautiful country. I was over in Ireland when I can't remember who they were playing, but it was the Euros. It would have been 2016, and they got out of group stage with a last-minute header. And I was downtown Dublin, and 
Let me say that uh, people are hanging out for life. Oh my God. It was insane. Partying with that like that. It was, (laughs) it was so much fun. Um, Free beer, free Guinness for everyone. Um, EJ coming in. Good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. BX Bronco Jetty. What time is it over here? It's 6.35 a.m. for me. Um, Dakota Whitehouse. So yesterday it seems Teddy got more reps than Drew Locke. I think we all know that Drew will get a majority of reps tomorrow. Uh, probably the case. Max Power saying morning, fellas. Good to see uh, David in the house too, David. Uh, good morning, gents. Broncos country. Hit that like button. Andrew Morrow's in the house. Morning. Good to see you, Andrew. Andrew's always super supportive. Luke Fenland. It was against Italy. That's right. The powerhouse Italy. That was amazing. Um, Andrew, also, good morning to you. And since the uh, 99 cent super sticker, Andrew's always a great supporter, as is Max Power coming in from across the pond. Hey, guys, any thoughts on Marquise Spencer? Um, let's put a pin in that one real quick. Let's get to the matters of business, and then we're going to come back and talk a little Marquise Spencer. So, guys, like I said, Broncos for breakfast, 6.30 a.m. every Tuesday and Thursday. We're going to be here uh, to give you your morning fill for your morning commute uh, while your coffee's cooling down a little bit. You're sitting down with your breakfast. Scott and I will be here to fill your morning. A little bit of Broncos talk. Uh, you guys can follow us on, on Twitter uh, at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. You can follow us both individually on Twitter also. Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy and uh, myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Uh, for everybody joining us on Facebook today, please go over and uh, to facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle as well as facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Uh, become a supporter. If there is something that we didn't get to today that you guys are interested in talking about, uh, get to that. Let us know. Um, Add us on Twitter. That would be fantastic. Uh, Or on Facebook. And if you guys are joining us on Facebook today, also click those thumbs up. You know, what what are you doing? I think we got Gary Leeds Palmer. I knew Gary Gary would be here with the heart react. Good to see you, Gary. Um, OG Epong Thames and David Schlosser also come in with a like. So I know there's more of you joining on Facebook. Facebook today, smash that like button. It's not, it's not hard. Just do it. Um, so uh, also now shouting out to our YouTube listeners, please subscribe, like, and share season is right around the corner. And while there are many great uh, creators of content in this small niche, that is Broncos uh, Broncos country. Uh, we want to be number one. We want to, if we're your favorite or even not your favorite, if you like what we're doing here, you want to support us, uh, the, the, the little guys here, uh, make sure you subscribe, like, and share our content. Also, while you're over on YouTube, go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. I'm also going to drop his uh, link here in the chat. I'm going to just click that. They're all here. They should, you guys should all be seeing them wherever you're watching the show today. Um, so, and Scott, I always like to elevator pitch what's going on on the channel right now. Just answering questions. There's a lot of uh, people are talking about the the rookies again from senior. Mm. So a lot of the conversation that's coming through my channel is on the senior bowl highlights as the rookies are starting to make names for themselves again. Heck yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I was down there for three, four days, saw shot a ton of video. There's probably 50 highlights from senior bowl out there. Um, and I get I go in and I answer every question and, and, and every comment that, you know, looks like it needs an answer, not just a yo, what's up or something like that. So um I'm very involved on that. So uh, I appreciate y'all being there. Awesome. That's great. So let's get to a uh, max power here with the $2 pound. I believe not the year of the pound. Um, any thoughts on Marquis Spencer? So Marquis Spencer, uh, six, four, six, three off the top of my head, uh, 300 pounds. Um, he was somewhat like Matelvin Najim as far as his uh, usage at Mississippi state. Where it was, it wasn't like the three three five that Arkansas was running, but uh, he played some edge as well as interior at Mississippi State, and uh, I believe he was a 
four-star recruit. Um, he has a big frame that I think can put on more weight with actually pretty good burst. It's just he never really put it all together there at Mississippi State, which uh, honestly, Mississippi State, a uh, little shout out there for interior defensive lineman you potentially. Uh, Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones. Uh, I feel like there's even another one there. They're, they're all big. I, I told we talked about him a little bit last week, and I, I said whenever I was watching, uh, whenever I was scouting the Mississippi Junior Colleges, and you'd you'd look along the interior lines, you, they would look like college, you know, yeah. SEC players in there. Now, the hard part is getting those kids out of the junior college ranks because they're there for a reason. Um, I, I said last last chance you kind of shined a, a, a pretty good light on. The, the junior college ranks and every single player, every single one at a junior college has a, has a skeleton in his closet, has a red flag for something. Um, now talking about the, my point on this is there are big mobile crushers in Mississippi. A lot of them are junior college ranks. The ones that can come out of there and can get out of the, the school systems and survive and make it to college uh, like Marquise then is now making a nice living for himself. Even if it's just as a, a late round draft pick, but at 6'4", 300 pounds. We talked about the 3-4. The ends in college are basically defensive tackles. You know, they'll pinch mm -hmm. in, they're holding the line. Uh, but still, eight and a half tackles for loss last year. His progression as he moved forward, as we would like to see for a raw player coming out of Mississippi, kept getting better. So if, if he continues that track, I think he got something with, uh, with Spencer at, with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and something interesting about him was uh... – I think he actually came into Mississippi State as a linebacker, and now he's transitioning slowly to sure he was did. edge. Sure he did. We're, we want him as a linebacker. Sure you do. Oh, I, I hate got... that part of recruiting, Nick. I I really did. The whole athlete. We're gonna we're gonna call this guy an athlete. There, there's no athlete position. I'm sorry. You know, especially being an NFL draft guy, I'm like, who got drafted to play athlete? There is no athlete position. You know, so it's like, oh, we want you at tight end, you know, but we're going to slap a 60 on you the minute you show up. Yeah, no, he did actually put on 60 pounds, but uh, his true freshman year, he played 12 games at linebacker, uh, registering 17 sacks, three for loss and one sack. So uh, it will be interesting to see what uh, what he does. Um, he's also got long arms, nearly 34 inch arm length, which I love for my defensive linemen. Um, they can control multiple gaps and they can get their hands up in the pass lane. So uh, I'm excited about that. Um, as far as Marquis Spencer goes, uh, a lot of it, obviously, hearsay right now. I'm excited. He's one that I'm going to have circled and be looking for him to flash in preseason. Um, and if he makes the 53-man roster rather than being a practice squad guy early on, that would be a big win, a, a for him, but also surprising considering he's a seventh-round pick at a position that typically takes two, three years out of college, unless you're a first-round pick, uh, to really make a splash in the league. So. Yeah, and, and and for him, for his the tools that he has and the background that he has, a year on the practice squad wouldn't be necessarily be a bad thing. Now he was mm -hmm. a fifth year guy, so mm -hmm. you know he's not a twenty two year old kid coming out. He's a, he's more he's a more mature physically um, type of player. So yeah. you know he's he's got a chance. You don't necessarily want him to take another red shirt where you know he's now six years in from out of high school before he starts playing a, a down yeah. in, in the NFL. Um, but I like the tools there and I like the, the background where he's coming from. Cause like you said, there's, there's a lot, you know, Mississippi state D line you, there's a lot of big, fast kids that come out of the deep, deep South. Yeah. Am I forgetting anybody else? Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones. I feel like there's another Mississippi state guy that was really impressive there for a while. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm probably there's the, the one that I'll have to look his name back up, but there was this kid at Olive branch that we had a five star, but then he got in some trouble and he kind of ate his way out of the position and, mm -hmm. um, 
just the, the attitude wrecked him, which happens a lot. It, it, it happens a lot. But he was he was as dominant as a defensive uh, interior defensive lineman that I ever saw um, when he was at Olive Branch, Mississippi. I'll have to I'll have to look and see who that was. I think he was okay. Well, maybe somebody in the I'll, I'll find him because he ended up at Hargrave. He was an oh all American. Ended up at Hargrave, and he says, "Hey, he, I want to I want to talk to him." I'm like, all right, whatever. It was my He's favorite player in the draft. I'm like, fine, I don't care. He's like, well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, why were you saying bad things about me? I said that wasn't me. One and two. The only thing I said about you is that I thought it was probably it was pretty disappointing that you laid out a practice because you said your stomach hurt, and then you won the chicken wing eating contest later that night, and all of the all the kids around just went whoa. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I said. That was a red flag to me. I uh, I go. just thought of who it was. It's Jeffrey Simmons, okay. uh, first round pick. I thought he was the, my he was my favorite defensive tackle in that class, which was an incredible uh, interior defensive lineman class. He dominated the Broncos last year, week one. Um, Jeffrey Simmons. That's that's who it was. I knew there's somebody. I loved Jeffrey Simmons. Um, Broncos seventeen and zero. Good morning, Broncos seventeen and zero. Good to see you, uh, Max Power. Saying I've heard he's flashing at camp and talking about Marquis Spencer. Yeah, he has been, especially cons- compared to what we saw from Ajim last year. Although Ajim uh, Sosa McTelvin Ajim has been flashing a lot. Um, Gary leads Palmer. With the stars here, for sure. Um, saying hello, Nick and Scott. Just giving some love, Gary. You are you are definitely a lover when it comes to the stars. So uh, we appreciate you a heck of a lot. Um, it's great to see you. We got Facebook user here. This might be uh, Peter, but it's because sometimes he comes in as Facebook user before it uh, goes six back to maybe. maybe he- right. Hello from Cambodia, Peter. Maybe. Good morning, Nick and Scott. Broncos for breakfast. Let's go Broncos. Also, what's a what's up, Bronco country? Dakota's right. Tonight is the Hall of Fame game, so that'll be great to see. Richie Rich, always good to see Richie Rich up there uh, in the Great White North. Always love it when I can catch a Broncos for brunch. Great. Um, we got Jake Gerard is in the house. Um, hey, guys, do you think the joint practices with the Vikings will tell us who will more likely start the season? Um, we just keep ramping up as far as importance for the reps and the competition that's happening. You know, we were on seven and sevens early on with no pads. Now we're ramping up the pads. Those reps matter more. They're more telling. They're more telling. They're more indicative. Now we're going to have the um, game or the practices against the Minnesota Vikings, who I think the athletic ranked as the number one defense in the NFL this year um, with the Broncos number two. So uh, we should really get an idea of uh, what the Broncos offense looks like against a really good Vikings team. Yeah, um, we I, might not know for sure if uh, it's yeah. like, hey, they really struggled against the Vikings. Yeah, who didn't? You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's also relative. Yes, uh, I don't think the Vikings have the same level of uh, secondary as the Broncos, so we hopefully will get an idea of the Tim Patricks, the Cortland Suttons, the Jerry Judys, maybe the pass game, um, but uh, I'm, I'm a, I am a little worried for the Broncos' offensive line, um, but we'll see. Uh, it sounds like the interior has been okay, but not dominant, and uh, right tackle has just been meh. But um, George in the house, to finally hear him when it's live. Um, Broncos ranking. Three stars, four stars, five stars. Meh. Meh. Yeah. Uh, just not not super Actually, impressive. Unfortunately, with all everybody going star crazy, three stars have turned into meh. Yeah. Now, don't take away from my Iowa Hawkeyes recruiting classes every year. Um, my, my first year, we had like 154 stars. I think there's probably over 500 of them now. Mm. Like that's pretty mm. much every Power Five kid. You know, I mean, it's it's silly. Inflation. Um, George coming in here. Broncos just woke up. Good to see you, George. Good to have you in here. Greg Smith is in here. Scott. Aloha. There we go. Uh, um, my answer on that, I, I think you'll get an idea of who's ahead. 
you know, mm-hmm. based on who starts and who's getting the ones there, you'll get an idea who's ahead. But the, this quarterback battle is not going to be decided by week one. It's mm-hmm. not. It, it's going to be going on a lot. Now, you might have, I don't know how stubborn your coach is. You know, he may, this is my guy and we're sticking with him, but I don't get that feeling or else Teddy wouldn't be there. Um, yeah. You know, so I think this is a this is a quarterback battle that's going to until someone either flat out loses the job, there's an injury, or someone elevates. This is going to be talked about all season. Yep, absolutely. It's a long way from getting over. Um, Gary's still in the house. He's didn't want to just say hi to us. He wants to say hi to everyone else. So good morning, Broncos country. Uh, Dom's in the house. Good morning, fellas. Did you see the crazy catch Sutton made yesterday? Running back room looks killer. Can't wait, boys. Let's take back the West. We run the West. Dom, you have higher aspirations than me. I'm just like, let's make the gosh darn playoffs. Because well, it's also because we're not playing like in the NFC East, right? Like you have the Chiefs in the division. You have the, uh, I know we say this every year, the Chargers. Oh, well, I'll believe it when I see it with them, uh, with the injury front especially. But uh, let's just make the playoffs. Maybe let's not also get swept by the Chiefs. Those are the two goals this year. Take one, split with the Chiefs, make the playoffs. Um, but uh, I want to get into what he says here. Did you see the crazy catch Sutton made yesterday? Um, so far, and this was one of the main topics we want to touch on today. So far, Sutton has been somewhat quiet um, in camp. You've had Vic Fangio comment on it that he hasn't, you know, isn't fully trusting himself yet. It's different going from running routes against air to people. Um, and uh, a little bit of a hitch in his giddy up early on, but uh it, it was always going to take time, even though it's, we're approaching, it was only week two when he got injured. Um, sometimes it takes not 12 months. Sometimes it takes 18 months for a guy to really get over that uh, ACL MCL. And I think he tore multiple ligaments in his knee. It was pretty serious. So uh, the fact that he's doing anything in, even if he's not hundred percent this year, he's still going to be a really good player. Um, but uh, it's good to see him making some splash plays because we've grown accustomed to that with uh, Cortland Sutton. Nick, I had the, talking about the mental aspect of this and how it's so subconscious. I had the craziest thing happen to me. Um, about 10 years ago, I wrecked my bicycle. I went over my handlebars, mm-hmm. laying on my head, scratched up my face, had my helmet and stuff. It was fine. It looked more gnarly than it was because, you know, I had some road rash on my face, but I was okay. You know, I, I got up when the next time I went to ride my bike, I went out and I looked at it and I just, I broke into a sweat. Like I almost blacked out. It was the weirdest. It's like, and that was hardly anything. So when you talk about the mental aspect of trying to overcome something like this, it's real. And it's going to take some time. It's not just something we'll man up. No, no. there's there's a subconscious in there that your body is saying, hey, dummy, you've all got your leg tore off. Protect yourself until you can get enough reps in there to push that down. Yep. Um, it's, it's a thing. So like we said, 18 months for a complete 100% full recovery from an ACL. And the bigger you are, the less that time is before you get back to 100%. But 100% is usually an, it's an 18 month injury, especially as severe as his was. I am curious, just pivoting on this a little bit, how this could impact Cortland Sutton's uh, contract negotiation. He only has one year left and he might not ever be totally 100% this year. So well, does that mean it's the time where the Broncos can be offering a discount? Yes. You know, and, and, and that he might consider it, you know, listen, I'm not sure I'm ever, I'm going to get back to there. They're offering me a good contract. Maybe I should take it. So if you're the, it, it is a business. Yep. If you're the Broncos, now's the time where you're offering an extension. If you think he can get to at least where he was or close to it, or if it might take a little more time, and you you, uh, you offer him a discount, a longer-term <clears throat> discounted contract. And then then it's up to him whether or not he wants to take that risk because it's a risk on both sides. Yep. 
exactly my thought as well. Um, even if it's uh, seems cold hearted, you know, you have to pay them because you don't know what Cortland Sutton will be a hundred percent off that knee injury as much as it's scary. A lot of guys recover, get back, but you don't know at this point and you can only go on the latest data. So uh, here we are, but um, I'm expecting a good Cortland Sutton this year. What's lucky for him is that uh, you have Jerry Judy there. So Cortland Sutton doesn't have to be wide receiver one with how it sounds, how good Jerry Judy's been. Um, morning shift, sick ass foo. Yeah, uh, yes, we do. And also good comment here. Jerry Judy is wide receiver one. He is this year. I'm hoping at some point though, that we can uh, get to a, uh, um, a one, a, and a one B going on there. Um, Dave Glassman in the house. Dang it. Sorry. I'm late. Didn't get the notification. Um, boss man did not make the, uh, the stream, uh, last night or this morning. So I had to scramble to make one. So I, I can make th- this platform. I don't know how to send it to the, like, uh, however he, what's the word promotes it. So, uh, I'm glad you're here now. Good to see you. Um, Dave Glassman, yep. Uh, in the house as well. Uh, cheers, orange heart, blue heart and a lock. So uh, I know where your heart lies. Miguel's in the house. Sup fellows. My, and Michael's in the house. Uh, good morning, Nick and Scott and Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos. Michael's always super supportive on Twitter afterwards. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Nick Kettle MHH. Let me know what yeah, you liked about the show. It feels good, Michael. Appreciate it. Yeah, it really does. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, and Dakota saying the Vikings number one defense. So says the athletic. Um, I do think that the Vikings have one of the more underrated uh, defenses in football. Last year, they were they were kind of like the Broncos, where at uh, the defensive tackle position, the Broncos at defensive or at cornerback were like the Vikings at defensive tackle. They got so many injuries that the whole integrity of the defense didn't matter that they had other talent elsewhere. They couldn't function because they were so weak at that one spot. Um, they get, they're getting Michael Pierce back this year. They also signed another defensive tackle. Um, Daniel Hunter might be the most underrated uh, edge rusher in football. They have good linebackers, um, good safeties. So it's a good team. Also, Mike Zimmer, uh, one of the better defensive coaches out there. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, here we go. Uh, he says, yo, guys, get those stars in there and give Broncos for breakfast a reason to stick around. Gary, I hope we got the stars because um, I'm clicking all yours. I don't always uh, see the stars. So uh, either way, Gary, we appreciate the heck out of you. And uh, you're a star in our eyes. Um, Ray Osborne in the house saying, I will say preseason game three till uh, we can tell who uh, quarterback one will be. I mean, honestly, it might be a uh, a longer time than that. We might figure out who's quarterback one and it might pivot throughout the season. That's just that's how close it is right now. And if the Broncos are struggling, you could see him shake it up. Uh, Greg Smith also coming with the Aloha. There we go. Jesse in the house. I just hope Sutton get back to 100 percent. You and me both pooping hippo. Scott, how much would you pay Locke and Sutton? Ooh. Well, that's a that's a good question. I'm going to start with Sutton. Um, while you were running through there, I was looking up the average salaries of uh, the receivers right now, and uh, it's the average average receivers right now. The number ten receiver, Tyler Lockett. What do you think? What do you think his money is? Tyler Lockett's the tenth highest paid receiver in the NFL right now. What do you think his money is? Oh man, fifteen million a year. Seventeen. 17. Okay. 17. So the receivers are getting paid. Yep. They're, they're, they're getting paid extremely well. So, you know, is Sutton the top 10 guy? He was on that track. I, I think without a doubt, is he there right now? I, I think you can probably expect him to be in the 10 to 20 range. Maybe even that's a bit of a stretch. That's a bit of a risk coming off the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, if you look at 10 to 20, number 20 is 12, and then 19 is Stefan Diggs at 14-4. I think that's a starting point of, of where you start to offer him, giving him an average a contract right there around 15 per year average. It's going to get expensive. 
it, it is. He's he's young and he's cheap, but he's good. And young and good gets expensive when they start coming off of those deals. So I think 15 is probably going to be about right for him coming into his next contract. What do you, what do you think, Nick? I think uh, NFL let's contracts. Let's, let's take inflation out of it. The caps go up, salaries go up. Yep. But, you know, relatively speaking right now. I could see the Broncos giving him a higher base salary with lower guarantees uh, given the injury that he has to give themselves an out sooner. So it might be like a four-year contract where uh, the guarantees are pretty much off the book come year three or four in case, you know, he's not there anymore. And you might not get him for that because someone will come in and offer a more guaranteed money. Right. Yeah. But and I'm you, saying you, like, if you think, you, but what, what does Sutton want? Does he's going to bet on himself where mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to be playing at this level. So there's going to be no reason for them to cut me um, because of the, the higher. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, when, when you're talking about a player like that and what people, it only takes one team to do something crazy. Oh, yeah. That's that very true. I think that he would get an offer of guaranteed money for what he could max out with, with Denver. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I almost think it's it's better to go lower guarantee. I mean, lower salary, more of it guaranteed, I think would yeah. be a better, a better hook for someone like for someone like Sutton. Come with your team. You know, hey, listen, we, we want to make sure you're getting paid, but, you know, we want to put a team around you so we, we mm-hmm. can't pay you what these guys are going to pay you over here. But you're here, you're home, you're a Bronco. You know, th- that would be my pitch to him. Locke, I'll give it six months and I'll tell you what I'd pay him. It might be nothing. Yeah, he's uh, I need to see another two years of data uh, before I pay him. Honestly, maybe a year and a half. Um, it, if he was like doing pretty plain top 12 quarterback money, like halfway through the 2022 season, then I'm approaching him. But uh, quarterback money, quarterback contracts, even for just average ones are incredibly huge. I mean, there's no better discount in football right now than a rookie quarterback contract. So like, even if Locke plays like you got to build in the draft, I mean, it's, it's hard to get a quarterback. It's expensive to get a quarterback and it's especially expensive to get them uh, post draft. It doesn't happen very often. No, I mean, you're paying Andy Dalton, what 16 million a year, something like that for one year. Number 12 at 27. God. Number 20, Trevor Lawrence is at nine. Uh, Andy Dalton's at 10. And this is on average, and, and Bridgewater's average is eleven five. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and Drew's what making like three million. If yeah, if, he's, so. he's, he's pretty low. So, yeah. um, you know, you're, 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 but that's one of the reasons why the Broncos' cap situation is so good. Yep. But it it really needs to be filled with an elite quarterback. You need to be putting twenty five million into the quarterback position, which would eat up a lot of that space. And right now, would you do that for either of the guys on the roster? Um, no, that's the easiest question you'll have all day. Unless your goal is to be picking number one in a few years, um, which hopefully not. Um, we got uh, Broncos 17 and 0 saying the morning coffee bean fund with the $20 super sticker. Man, <laughs> Broncos 17 and 0 is uh, very consistent. Also, I'm wondering, I think they changed the colors uh, for every, I've been doing this for a year and a half now, um, but they changed the colors uh, for the thing. So this used to be orange. The $20, I swear to God, Tuesday night was orange. Now it's yellow. So, uh, Somebody help me figure out which one is the orange one because that's the one we're looking for. Actually, well, the yellow is beautiful. I love keeps it. Keeps me in coffee has a place in my heart. Right, right. Absolutely. Here. It used to be food, but now that you know I'm old and put on weight by looking at food, coffee is the way to my heart. Well, there you go. For me, it's uh, it's still beer. <laughs> Jesse coming in here. Uh, Tim Patrick should pick up Sutton slack since everyone swears Tim Patrick is great. Shake my hand. Well, Tim Patrick is good to great. Yeah, I think he's a B plus wide receiver. Um and 
I think th- that might be a really interesting conversation to have this year because you're expecting Sutton to get back to where he was um, his year two uh, season. But if Sutton's, let's say, let's say he's playing at 85% this year, him and Tim Patrick might be neck and neck. They might be really close to each other. And that could make it interesting as far as the contract conversation between both of them and the reps for both well, of them as well. Well, here's here's the beauty of the roster. It's not going to all fall on one guy. Yeah. You know, KJ Hamler should pick up some of that slack. Um, Noah Fant picked some of it up last year. He should mm-hmm. improve. Jerry mm-hmm. Judy should should elevate this year. So all of those guys should getting Sutton back is is it's not a make or break, I don't think, for this team. Um, but it's it would be awesome. It, it's a bonus for him to come back, come back strong. But there's enough weapons there that if he doesn't come back, you're not totally hosed in the passing game, for goodness sakes. More important in this passing game is what happens at the quarterback position than at the receiver position because there's receivers all over the place. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, Richie Rich coming here. Well, let's go back to the defensive line because they've actually been doing pretty well. And I know Richie Rich has been uh, not screaming, but uh, talking loudly <laughs> about the uh, the interior defensive line, getting more interior pressure. Uh, you and I both, I was there more so there about a- entering the 2019 draft. Uh, where there was all those incredible interior defensive linemen, like give me Dexter Lawrence, give me Jeffrey Simmons, give me Ed Oliver, give me Quinnen Williams, give me, give me, I want one of those guys with Bradley Chubb, play a little inside-outside game, and Von Miller. Um, but uh, we got Draymond Jones, and he's been killing it. Um, so, Richie Rich, sticking with the D-line, if we never, if if we have newer draft picks who are looking good, and some of the guys we want to do well, who are just looking okay, who do you think wins, makes the roster? Um, well, I think at that point, if you have it's close, um, you need to be looking at long term. So who do you have the most uh, years of control with and uh, who do you project being better uh, longer down the road? I think it's you need to take the the long scope because while these while this team is looking uh, to win this year, Peyton is trying to think the health of the roster, not just in 2021, but 2022, 2023, 2024, etc. cetera. So if you have a two players who are neck and neck, one has a one year left on his deal and one is a rookie who has four years, you're taking the rookie. Pretty, pretty easy. I think in that case. Yeah. Young. And if, if all things are equal, young and cheap is going to win. Yep. You know, that's, that's just how it is. <laughs> and that's true beyond, um, uh, beyond yeah, football. That's, that's life. Yep. Um, expensive is a tough way to be unless you're still elite. Tom Brady. Gosh, even then it's close. Yeah. Um, a big floppy lock coming in here saying this, the way Sutton has been running around, it doesn't look good. Um, a little patience there, right? It's uh, even if we haven't seen um, it yet, a uh, little patience and some patience here. Also, I'm um, so much hate uh, face palm for drew. Um, the thing is you don't want to be a team. It's, the Bengals a few years ago, they were making playoffs after playoffs after playoffs under Andy Dalton as a rookie quarterback. And then they paid Andy Dalton and everything went to poop. Um, and that's <laughs> not what you want, right? Like if Andy Dalton was a fine quarterback on his rookie contract, they're able to build an elite roster around him. Um, but then he ate up 20% of their cap and they just couldn't keep sustaining what they were doing. Um, and right now you have a really good roster around Drew Locke, but he's making pennies and uh, he hasn't shown enough yet to be a guy where you're considering paying him a second contract because they need to be that like top 12 top 10 level of quarterback for me, at least in order to sink in that level of capital into them. Otherwise I'd rather go back to the well and risk uh, continuing per- quarterback uh, purgatory in that regard versus being stuck on a guy and the, that quarterback, not being it on top of not being able to 
uh, build a strong roster around the quarterback. Well, and, and Lord dear, the, the, the topic got started when I was asked, how much would you pay Sutton and Locke? And Locke right now, you, you wouldn't, you would wait. You would, there's no rush. So right now you wouldn't, if, if he was, you know, if de- contract deadline day was tomorrow, you'd have a decision to make, but it's yep. not. No, so no you've got this entire season to start making that choice. If it was right now, he'd be walking. I'd let him go. You know, instead of resign, unless he took a team-friendly deal, you know, hey, you're probably going to be back up, but I'm going to be looking for your replacement pretty much every day. Um, So that was about right now. But the the wait-and-see approach, absolutely. Some some wait-and-see what this year is going to do before I'm going to make any kind of decision on the future of True Lock. Yep. There's there's no rush. Um, And he needs to play better. He will play better this year. Um, But what if he's, you know, an Andy Dalton-level quarterback or Ryan Tannehill? Right, like that's probably more likely than him turning into. That's Patrick okay. Mahomes. You know, Ryan Tannehill had a fantastic year in the right system last year. I misspoke. Just, I meant Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, but just just don't yeah. pay him like he's a top five guy. Yeah. You know, yep. listen. If you if you can get top five money from somebody else, more power to you. I'll take my comp pick and I'll take my chances with another quarterback. I'll bring in somebody who's looking for a job that is on your same level of talent. He's going to come in here and be a star, and maybe I get him paid too. Yep. Um, you know, that's when you're the offensive coordinator, you say, I want, you know, and the quarterbacks coach say, I want 10% of every new contract that these guys sign <laughs> when they leave us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brock Osweiler, another one. It's sometimes it's uh, smarter not to play guys. Lord, you're saying, of course he does. Uh, but as he's, but as Ben said, let's see it before we condemn him. Um, we're going to find out this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. All we can go on is what we have so far. Otherwise we are projecting, which I know is part of this, uh, this business as well. We're trying to project and predict the future. Um, but uh, we got time. We have two years of control left. And this roster outside of the right tackle position is about as excuse proof as possible. Now, if you want to point fingers at Pat Shermer and his scheme, I won't stop you. But um, there are every single quarterback can have reasons for excuses, but uh, you're never gonna have a perfect roster. It's never gonna be a perfect situation. You got to be able to overcome that adversity to be a good quarterback. Um, so that's just that's how it is in the league. And Nick, you were right about that 2019 draft. Um, there's some, there's some difference makers in that group. That that um, was the best interior defensive line group I've ever yeah, uh, scouted. You know, up and down the lengths. <laughs> so I look, you know, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look who's at the top, and then I'm going to find whoever the Falcons draft, and just it just puts tears in my eyes. It, it really does. Um, not nothing wrong with Chris Lindstrom, but you know he's a guard at number 14. Yeah. At least it wasn't Dwayne Haskins at 15. I would have remembered that one. Dwayne Haskins was not a first-round guy. Um, but, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, Noah Fant, um, all these guys that went after. And it's just – it's just why? Why a guard? You Your defensive line needs help. Um, yeah. So, good times. Yeah. This, huh. I, I, I got to say, though, I do appreciate uh, Thomas Dimitrov, the person. Um, because uh, going to the combine, um, he's pretty obviously in the spectacled uh, individual and uh, spoke with him for about half an hour, just about analytics and team building and uh, Grady Jarrett. I've, we always, we, we bonded over our love of Grady Jarrett. So uh, well, I appreciated they, Thomas. They got Grady Jarrett in the fifth round. They blind staggered yeah. luck into that one. I mean, yes. uh, it was a nice scouting. Don't get me wrong. They still had to draft him, yeah. but you know, let's see what's five times 30, 150 times he was passed over before they they got him so that was that was fortunate that was a that was a fortune now to be fair his when he actually went defense the picks were pretty good 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Vic Beasley was a bit of a reach, but you know he had one monster season. We talk about what's one season worth to you. He had a season that got the Falcons a Super Bowl, about 16 sacks in 2016. I think yeah. he only had 30 in his career, but he had 16 that year. Uh, Deion Jones, damn good linebacker. Uh, Keanu Neal, corner, uh, safety, really good. Those are guys in other places. But, you know, I appreciate the fact with teams that build in the lines of scrimmage. Um, and that was something the Falcons never did. So you look up and down the Broncos lines and the front seven. And the, the defensive line, if you're a little short, on players, go to a three-four. Where, where is the strength in your in your in your team right now? The linebacker position. Um, there's guys, you know, we talked a lot of Jonathan Cooper last week and his size. Like, well, you know, why didn't he go higher? Well, he's he played a, a true defensive end. He's 6'3, 255 pounds. Well, he's playing edge. He's playing some some OLB for the Broncos, right? Yep. He also had a heart condition that had multiple surgeries that knocked him down. Also, Andre Mintz is uh, been flashing in camp as well. So the Broncos have some uh Maybe not starting quality edge players um, there, but uh, you need depth. You need a rotation of guys uh, at the pass rush position. And if you can have them cheap and young, that's the way to be. Uh, Jesse coming in. Uh, can we honestly make the playoffs with Teddy? And how fast do you give Drew the hook if he's the starter week one? Uh, number one is yes. Um, the Jaguars a few years ago went all the way to the AFC championship game and were very close with the likes of Blake Bortles as their gosh darn starting quarterback. Uh, the the Chicago bears had the best record in football with Ted, uh, Mitch Trubisky as their starting quarterback. So while we hammer how important it is, and as a quarterback driven league, you can to a certain extent win games and be competitive. It, uh, as long as your quarterback's not killing you with turnovers and, uh, he just, you know, he just glides. He knows that he's a talented roster, get the ball the right time, protect the football, play to the strength of the roster. Um, so one of yes. my favorite lines that I ever read, Nick, I think it was from Rick Riley when he used to write the back cover of Sports Illustrated. You, you might not be old enough to remember what magazines are. Um, but uh, he was talking about Rex Grossman leading the Bears to the Super Bowl. And it, it, the line was coming into the Super Bowl, Rex Grossman was thought of as the worst quarterback to ever lead a team into the Super Bowl. And he failed to live up to that. Mm. <laughs> so it's with a with a great quarterback. It's it's a little easier to sustain. It's a little easier to recruit free agents and that type of stuff. Yeah. But there's more than one way to skin a cat. And the way this defense is set up with the weapons at receiver, I mean, you're you're going to hold guys down and wait for a big play. Yep. You know, it's uh, it's great pitching and one home run hitter. You know, so it's yes, with a steady play from quarterback position, get out of the 30s and even into the high teens. There's a playoff team. I'm I'm convinced. Yep, absolutely. The, it is a tough field to till uh, because of the talent in the AFC West and the AFC in general. I think I'd name, outside of Tampa Bay, I'd probably name, uh, there's a massive drop-off after Tampa Bay and Green Bay, in my opinion, in the talents in the NFC West, where you probably have eight teams in, or excuse me, not the NFC West, just the NFC. Um, and then you probably have about <clears throat> eight to ten teams in the AFC that could be arguably the third best team in the NFC in my opinion this year, that's just how the, the league is stacking up, but uh, we'll see. Um, and how fast do you give drew the hook? If he's the starter week one? Well, that's a, it's a question where we need all the data. Like, is he looking like, you know, Jake locker out there? Um, that's a different question, uh, but I probably when he gets the hook, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it could be, then you're, you're making a change. Now, does that mean he's done for the year? No, but yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it depends on drew. If Drew's a starter, it will depend on drew. Yeah, this is a tough question because there's a little bit of uh, psychology involved here. I think Drew is pretty 
fragile right now when it comes to the ego. And uh, I would give him, if he, if I do name him the starter, although it's hard because these coaches are coaching for their playoff life or right? their, their life in general, but there, I'd also, like to give him multiple there's games. There's also nothing wrong with giving a guy a series off. Right? Yeah. You, you see that happen. Say, listen, you, you just threw two interceptions on back-to-back plays. Teddy, go in and take a series. Drew, calm down. Yep. Then go back in. We believe in you. You see that more with uh, college. This this quarterback battle, I've said it before, I'll say it again, is going to go on all year. Yep. It it just is. Neither one of these guys, unless Drew takes that monumental leap to the status that you want him to be, he hasn't shown that yet. To go from 30 to 10, which is a a, a leap of faith, then he's this quarter. Neither one of these guys are good enough to, to lay claim to this job for the entire season. That's my opinion. Yep. Um, you have two quarterbacks who are good enough to start in the league and will be around in the league for a long time. I don't know if either are ever going to be franchise quality arms. And uh, that's. Yeah, but look at the way these quarterbacks keep getting recycled. If you yeah. can just prove to be not a. I, I happen to see Broncos 17 0 comment on least favorite quarterback. If As long as you're not a complete a hole and you can hang around the league for a long time. You can hang around the league for a long time. If you know how to do your job. Yep. Exactly. And there's, there's a lot to be said about that. You know, we are talking, it's the, the standards that you're talking about here. Like is our drew lock and Teddy Bridgewater, terrible quarterbacks. No, they're probably two of the top 40 quarterbacks in football this year. And the Broncos have two of them, which is good. It's not like we're sitting here watching Trevor Simeon versus uh Paxton Lynch versus Mark Sanchez. Thank God. Um, but uh, although shout out to Trevor Simeon, seventh round pick probably never should have been in that situation and uh, was forced to because Broncos just didn't go out and get a quarterback quality. Um, but uh, you know, it's, we're talking about what's a good enough quarterback to have a real chance to win a Super Bowl, And that's a different threshold than like a guy who's good enough to be a spot starter or a, a journeyman. So, um, We'll see though. Drew only second year in the league. He's still got a lot of talent. Um, he's got to get better under pressure. He's got to get better getting off his first read. But that's what this year is going to be about: figuring out Drew. And if you can't beat out Teddy, given how some people view Teddy Bridgewater, you know that's probably your sign. Um, Tom coming in here. I'm not going to try to. Okay, I'm going to try your last name. Pazi Panka. Uh, hopefully, I nailed that. If not, uh, please let me know. Um, give me the phonetic. If you have a hard name, give me the phonetic one. Because if you guys are going to comment, I want to be respectful enough to get it right. Long O on that. Well, I don't. I don't know. Tom P. Uh, Tommy P. Um, I always like the the line Susan Sarandon had in uh, in um, Old Durham. Said, Honey, you need a nickname. <laughs> Eddie Calvin Lelouch. Uh, oh, Tom nailed it. Good job. Good job, Tom. Uh, love watching this every day. I wait for it to pop up while I'm at work. Uh, can't wait to see Judy and what are the predictions for him this season. Uh, Scott, I'll give you the floor there because I do have some thoughts on Judy as far as a production standpoint. Last year, you know, 52 catches for 856 yards. That's a really good average, uh, big play guy. So I, my, let's see, what what are the predictions for him this season? Maybe come down a little bit on average, have mm-hmm. his catch percentage go up. Um, 100 plus targets is still good, but he's going to have more than 56 catches. So, you know, I, I think target that many times, that number goes from 56 to 75, 20 extra catches. Extra 250 yards, 300 yards maybe. So he should be knocking on the door of 1,000. There's going to be a lot of, of footballs to be thrown around. There's going to be a lot of receivers to spread it around this, this year, hopefully. But um, if he's more efficient, um, you know, but when you're making big plays like that, your efficiency goes down. The, the, the higher the average, usually the lower the completion percentage on your targets. So um, just more consistency. 
you know, more comfort level for him. Yep. He's, he's catching the balls he's supposed to catch. That that If he does that, you're going to see a big leap for Jerry Judy. Uh, we do have historical trends uh, to go off of as well for the wide receiver position. And normally year one to year two, you see the biggest jump of any player in their year or in their career for a wide receiver. So I'm expecting Jerry Judy to be quite impressive this season as long as he can stay healthy. Um, the only thing that is going to hold him back is it's not – Jerry Judy, it's the situation around him. You have Cortland Sutton, you have Tim Patrick, you have Noah Fant. There's only one football. Also, the way it sounds, the way the coaches have talked about this, also the people covering uh, down at camp, it sounds like this is going to be very much a run-oriented team. They're going to run the ball more than the average offense, which, again, means that there's less balls to go around. So while Judy might be that wide receiver one, it's not going to be a Brandon Marshall situation where like he's the only really great wide receiver on this team, and he's getting 20-plus targets a game. I don't think that's going to be the case with Judy um, this season, but um, I'd rather him get less targets and be more efficient per target um, than pepper him with bun- a bunch of, you know, three to five yard uh, completions. Well, and uh, so still to see the big plays, but again, efficiency, the word we both used. So um, his completion percentage should go up. He had, I mean, overall he had decent numbers last year. It's just when you look at a 46 catch percentage, you know, that's way low, way low. Um, yeah, that number should should skyrocket. That should go up a ton. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, um, I'm definitely I really try to avoid those Broncos in my fantasy drafts, but I might be trying to get uh, by low in Judy this year because I won't probably oh, be in. No, no, no. Curse other teams. You Curse draft the guys you want to lose. I, uh, I stack my roster with Saints every year. I will say I won probably a thousand dollars um that twenty thirteen season because I drafted a bunch of Broncos um and Noshan Marino and uh, Eric Decker and Julius Thomas um won me some serious money. Um C Finnan coming in here saying, Hello, I'm a newbie Broncos fan here from the UK. Uh I've always watched the NFL but never had my heart on one club living here in, in the United Kingdom. But the Broncos seem to grow on me watching history DVDs learning club. Nice. Well, C Finnan, that's awesome. Um make sure you head over to Denver at some point. Uh, a Colorado is gorgeous um especially in the fall if you can get there and the aspens are turning and the elk are bugling and like estes park rocky mountain national park probably no better place on earth beautiful um and uh good to have you here it's also great to have you not just in broncos country but here with my high huddle this morning here at broncos for breakfast so uh, we appreciate you see finn and welcome um Finnan, who's your football team that's what i'm interested in. anytime we get somebody from from uh, across the pond i'm interested in who their their football team is as well so throw that in the in the in the context. Um, Tom, come in in here. How well, how will the Broncos do against the Giants week one? Any prediction? I will be at the game. Well, the Giants are a team that's almost like the Spider-Man pointing meme with the Broncos, you know, third year quarterback that they're not sure about really invested in the defense this year. Pretty solid roster outside of the questions at the quarterback position. They, we just don't know yet. Um, but the Giants seem to be a team that's somewhat unraveling. Uh, they've had multiple uh, people retire recently. They had the big brawl. Um, some talk of Joe Judge maybe losing the team. Uh, so uh, I think the Broncos are going to win this one. I think it'll be close. But early on, just top of the head, I think I'm going to say Broncos 24 to 20. Low scoring game. Um, team with the least amount of turnovers wins. I, I like Denver in this one. What is what has the, what have the Giants done to get better? You know, they were six and ten mm-hmm. last year. Uh, were they eaten up with injuries like the Broncos were? Um, you know, all, all those type of things that, that all the reasons we talk about why the Broncos should be better this year, players coming back from injuries, second year in a system, better experience from the quarterback, new quarterback coming in, uh, to, to raise the floor, all those things, all those reasons. Can we apply any of this to New York giants? You know, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. And, um, 
So I, I, I like, I like Denver in week one. Yeah, I do too. Um, but they're very, I think these are two, two of the most evenly matched teams in football, um, this upcoming year. Um, big floppy lock saying, did I hear someone badmouth pro bowler, Trevor Simeon? Um, kind of like Scott said earlier with the, uh, the four stars being devalued, uh, with how many players are opting out of the pro bowl and, uh, not wanting to be involved anymore. The pro bowl does not carry the same weight as it used to. Now still, you know, shout out to Trevor for being in a pro bowl alternate after half the AFC opted out. Um, but, uh, that's, uh, don't put that much weight into it. Honestly, if you don't make the all pro that's fine. And also contracts talk. I don't I think Trevor Simeon's the third string somewhere right now, but still, I mean, he saved us from a year of having to watch Paxton Lynch. So uh, I will be forever grateful for that because that would have been, that was already rough enough. I mean, you talk about the, the Vic, uh, gosh, who was it? Vic Beasley having that killer year. Uh, he, the reason he had like 10 sacks against the Broncos that season against uh, Ty Sombrello, who, which thank you very much for the draft pick for taking Ty Sombrello off our hands, Scott. Um, and, uh, Paxton Lynch, not not a great combo there. Yeah, when you're, uh, I think you're you're a little extra salty today. I like the we're getting close. Nick's Nick's fired up. The pads have come on, and he's he's not holding back anymore. I, I I've enjoyed this 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 the dialogue today. Nick's <laughs> Nick's fired up. I've had uh, two cups of coffee, so I'm feeling it. Yeah, Tuesday I was dead to the world. Um, also my internet was uh, going in and out, which was frustrating me. But today I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good. Also feeling good. Robert Caslow in the house. What's up, Broncos Maniacs? Um, awesome to see. Uh, and awesome and big floppy lock. I'm pretty sure Nick knew that you were joking. Um, oh yeah. He just, uh, you know, it, there's certain topics that that just kind of eat at you. You know, yeah. if if you want, if we want to start talking soccer, and you mention William to me, even if you're joking, you want to wind me up. That'll do it. That'll do it. And uh, Finnan mentioned he was a Bayern Munich fan, so good. That's a, <laughs> that's a, a good club to support. Um, and welcome to uh, welcome to the NFL. Welcome to Denver Broncos. You'll learn a lot watching uh, the Mile High Huddle crowd. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason um, I went off that uh, the deep end there um, for uh, also I didn't see a Julie face, did I? Uh, Trevor Simeon. Oh, there it is. Okay, I got you. Um, it was because uh, years and years of uh, combating people saying the Broncos don't need to improve the quarterback position. Look, Trevor Simeon was a Pro Bowler. I don't care. My, I have two eyes and they say enough. Uh, and that's on that front. Um, but he was, a, I agree. And this is, this is the nuance we needed to, uh, good morning to you, Jeremy. Trevor Simeon was a success story. I don't care what anyone says. Um, in the context of a seventh round quarterback draft pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. From the context of a quality starting quarterback. No. And uh, I put more fault on the Broncos for being in a position where they had to play him versus uh, Trevor Simeon himself. Well, and, and here's how I might say it is, is Trevor Simeon, just listening to y'all, Trevor Simeon might have been a success story for Trevor Simeon, not mm-hmm. necessarily for the Denver Broncos. Yep. You know, if you're coming out of the seventh rounder and you end up within the Pro Bowl, that's a that's a story I want to read about the person, not necessarily, you know, could you have done better as a team? Absolutely. Uh, Tommy P coming in here. Uh, I've been to Colorado in the summer of the last two years and I've had to make a stop at the stadium and of course hiking as well. Ooh, Tom, you said the magic word for me. Uh, what trails have you been on? Um, and also a Bayern Munich fan. So Scott and I are both uh, Chelsea fans. So uh, Scott's much more hardcore. I'm much more casual. I'll tune in for the big matchups and uh, enjoy myself there. <clears throat> but um, I want to get to some more topics here with camp. Um, and I think the big one that I really want to get to is Garrett Bowles. Um, he is somebody who has been around the the ringer as far as the fan base goes. Um, he 
have obviously first round pick 20th overall. A lot of people um, were excited about the pick because the Broncos have needed a tackle for a while, um, but he disappointed early. Um, a lot of holding penalties, a lot of uh, dumb mistakes. Um, also, some people coming coming off a little bit nonchalant about some things. However, last year, and I would even argue after post-Browns game 2019, something clicked with Garrett Bowles. And thank God for Mike Munchak for that. But uh, something clicked with Garrett Bowles. He was really good the second half two years ago, and also the majority of last season. And uh, he's been he's been dominating in camp so far, apparently. Now, you made a good point before the show talking about this. It's a zero-sum game. Is he dominating or the Broncos edge rushers uh, not doing great? Um, that's very much a, we won't know until we know. We'll get a better idea going against the Vikings this week. But Garrett Bowles has been dominating so far. Everything's been easy for him. Uh, I don't know if he's gotten beaten once. Uh, both in the, like when the whole offensive line is out there and the one-on-ones, which for offensive linemen, one-on-ones are extremely difficult because you typically don't give defensive pass rushers a two-way go on both sides. You typically have some help. If, it, if you're in the interior, you help on both sides. Um, so he's been dominating. He's taking a step forward. Von Miller talking to him about him being the best left tackle in football. I don't know about that, but uh, left tackle, the Broncos may be have one that's going to be here for the next 10 years. And uh, I don't say that tongue in cheek. I know he was drafted as a 25 year old, but offensive lineman, I mean, look at Andrew Whitworth right now, still a top 10 left tackle and he's almost 40 years old. So uh, Garrett Bowles, Scott, what thoughts there? Are you excited about him or what's uh, here? I, just look at his profile. Okay. Um, and, and his age, if you're, if you've got talent, you know, physical ability, frame, feet, strength, all that kind of stuff. He's, he's 29 years old. Now that is ideal. He's entering his prime. And the prime for the offensive linemen like that are going to be 28 to 35 years old. And he's entering his prime now. And it sounds like mm. he's truly, you know, playing to that level. So we like to throw guys under the bus way too early. Uh, not everybody develops at the same level, especially at different positions at the same, it develops at the same time. And four years in the league. Yeah. We've waited a long time. We've waited a long time. This guy's a bust. And he might not have been a bust, but might not have been worthy of a first round pick, especially when you have guys like us looking at who went just below him and you start thinking, man, we could have had. But Mm -hmm. as a 29 year old OL with the right mindset and maturity, he's entering his prime. And it sounds like you're getting the guy you thought you, you took five years ago. Yep, absolutely. Greg Smith, Hall of Fame games tonight. Not a fan of either team, just glad football's back. I will not be tuning in as much as I love football. Uh, my parents are flying, and I haven't seen them in a year, so uh, going to be catching up with them, um, which will be great. Uh, and X23 coming in here. Bowles was pissed yesterday after the red zone pick. It does sound like Bowles is becoming more of a uh, vocal leader on this team, which uh, you have to you have to have a little bit of street cred before you can become that guy in the locker room. Bowles has first round pick. So he has that going for him. Um, he honestly bowls his journey. He's going to be a Denver Bronco, uh, story someday, you know, uh, kicked out of his house early on. Um, somebody else took him in, went to community college, defensive tackle, went to left tackle, became the number one junior college tackle in football, went to Utah only one year, first round pick, uh, not very good his first two years. Always had the athleticism, the talent, and the uh, the body frame. And now he's turned into one of the best left tackles in football. Um, and the Broncos got him on a freaking bargain, too. That's another thing. Taylor Moton, that contract compared to Bulls, night and day, man. Um, oh, I, but, just, uh, I just looked at him, and his you know his cap hit right now is five million. What? Yeah, you know it bumps up a lot, but that's it's, uh, it's that's really nice. Steal. And and you hit on the 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 catchphrases I wanted to when we started talking about. Um, and X twenty three says Bulls was pissed yesterday after the red zone pick. 
you've got a young quarterback who struggled last year, and you've got a newcomer in Teddy Bridgewater who is more about building guys up than 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 being pissed. You, you need you need the dog out there too, and mm-hmm. having six five three hundred pounds uh, of a, a left tackle who's playing like that to get after guys, it's perfect. It, it's yep. it's it's absolutely perfect for what this team needs. Yep. Um, and uh, Jeremy, good point here. Um, exactly what we're talking about. Uh, Garrett is turning into a leader. Proud of that dude. Got too much heat from the fans. I'll take a hold once a game over getting a quarterback hit. Um, absolutely. The thing about the holds that were frustrating is a lot of them were because of poor technique early on. But um, <clears throat> there were some fans out there, all caps on fans. Um, and if you're in Denver country, you know what I'm talking about. That were a little bit uh, probably un- or unrealistic with their expectations of Bulls um, early on. But uh you know, he, he was always going to be a little bit of a project and uh, he's turned out to uh, it's clicked and it's worked out for him. So that's been great. Um, I'm excited about him. And Robert says the only offensive line member who is solid, I would disagree with the word solid. He's the only offensive lineman that they have that is great. Um, but I would say Reisner and Glasgow are by definition solid as well. So uh, center and right tackle, uh, we're fixing to find out. Um, but oh, Peter's in the house. Good to see you, Peter. Uh, see who Bulls picked to be on the desert Island with him. No, I didn't, Peter. You're gonna have to let us know on uh, who that was. Um, there's a comment here. I wanted to get to um, from here. Oh, big floppy lock again. Uh, Killing me with the name. Uh, do you think that Garrett Bowles is better than Ryan Clady? I'm going to go with no. Ryan Clady was incredible out of the gate. He was the best pass protector in football there for a little bit, him and Joe Thomas neck and neck. And uh, I am still extremely disheartened that uh, that Liz Frank injury that Clady suffered in 2015. 14 2013 uh pretty much zapped his career because he still had another probably five to ten years left of great football he i mean he was he was incredible scott ryan clady was absolutely a dominant left tackle yeah for for a long time but who did he pick to be on the desert island with now you got me you know interested yeah yep and jeremy's saying clady was on the hall of fame path yeah somebody let us know um uh, one of the questions there was a question here there was a question here it said do do left tackles typically dominate early um the truly special ones do Tony Pacelli's uh, Orlando pace, Jonathan Ogden. Otherwise it, it oh, can Orlando take pace. a little bit because as we've said before, this is a, a grown man position. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the best offensive tackle prospect I can remember scouting coming out of high school was Tyron Smith. Um, and he was 245 pounds as a senior in high school goes to USC plays as a freshman was okay. Second year getting a little bigger. He's okay. Third year, he was all Pac-12 and the first offensive yep. lineman taken in the draft. And he was his first years with the Cowboys. Okay. From year three on, he's a pro bowler, first team all pro. So, yep. you know, it, it, it takes a little time. The strength of these players cannot be under uh, underestimated. Quickness comes early. We I, I say skill players are born linemen are built. It takes a little more time for most of these guys when they're playing in the trenches with grown men. Absolutely. I agree with you. And also there's some specifics with bulls given his, uh, his history. Also the thing about offensive linemen, it's kind of like, I guess, quarterback to a certain extent where like the tools are super important and that can determine how great you're going to be in the league. But there is a, uh, a technical side of it that if you don't have, you're going to get eaten up in the NFL athleticism can only take you so far. Yeah, and, and at what point are these guys ever facing in college, anybody to the same level that they're going to see in the pros, you know, the, the guys, really. 
any pro is going to be first team all conference. You know, pretty much any starting defensive end is going to be first team all conference in in college. So yeah. the level of speed and strength and guile that these guys face the second they get into a pro camp is higher than anything they've seen. I don't care where they're from. That includes Alabama. Um, it, it's it's just it's it takes some time. Now, like I said, the truly special ones, and I could name three of those off the top of my head in you know thirty years. Um, they hit the ground running, but Th- those are rare. Those are rare, just like any position. I, I do want to give a, a caveat here because I will probably explode if I don't mention him in this conversation. But um, Tristan Wirfs was worthy of an all pro uh, last year as a rookie right tackle. And I think he was only 21 years old. And uh, he has a chance to be the best tackle in football. Um, probably he was like the best, one of the best athletes ever recorded at the NFL Combine. I think he broke the record for the vert and the, uh, not the, the broad jump as well. Um, so, uh, Tristan Wirfs, absolute maniac. Um, God, I love that kid. Met him a few times at Iowa. Also just like the nicest, most genuine outgoing kid ever, or a kid well, ever. He's amazing. With kids. This draft class at offensive tackle. No. I'm going to follow him like a stalker, Spencer Brown, after yeah. I gassed him up for two months. So just, you know, speaking of physical freaks, but you know, coming out of, I've already forgotten Northern Iowa. Yep. Um, you know, just maybe behind technically some. So again, it takes a little time. Yep. Uh, I also, I told, mentioned this to you last time, but I've reached out to some of my uh, connections in the scouting community. And uh, there's another offensive tackle at Northern Iowa that people think will go higher than Spencer Brown did. Um, so not as athletically talented, but much more of a natural mover in pass protection. Well, and and any matters. success, any success, because people are, the coaches are usually pretty chicken scared. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't want to be the first to do anything, you know, because then the, the, you know, when you step away, when you go away from the book, you know, then you set yourself up for scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So the more success that uh, Ellerson Smith and Spencer Brown have out of Northern Iowa in their first year is only going to do more to help the next guy coming from there. You know, it's safe to take an Alabama guy, super yeah. safe. You know what you're getting. There's a track record there. But stepping outside of the box just a little bit, coaches don't always like to do that. So if Spencer Brown and Ellerson Smith can have some success in their first year, this the, the, the guy you're speaking of will, will get a bump from that. And Northern Iowa's put in some talent in the NFL. Uh, David Johnson, Kurt Warner, uh, Brandon Meester as well. So uh, there's some there's some bodies there. Um, we got Anthony coming in here, Anthony Bomber. Um, I never gave up on Bulls. It was obvious he had the talent with the time needed to develop. Why I won't give up on Drew. He was drafting knowing he needs time to develop. I don't think that's a one-for-one, one, uh, given how different the positions are and uh, the data that we know um, about the quarterback position. Historically, after year two, you know what your quarterback's going to be, that they probably set their career norms, versus offensive tackle, typically it takes three years because of the physical uh, growth curve for the position versus quarterback. Also, Garrett Bowles played one year of Pac-12 football versus 50 starts in the SEC for Drew Locke. So uh, I don't think it's a one-for-one, but if you want to hold that candle for Drew Locke because he did so for Bowles, more power to you. Um, I held the candle for bulls and pushed back against it. And I even argued, you know, I didn't expect bulls to get to this level. Um, but it's hard to find tackles in this league. Garrett bulls as what he was making as an average tackle. That's fine. He didn't have to be the best tackle on football. He just had to be good enough. Um, considering how hard it is to find tackles. I know you're kind of going through that right now, or, uh, the, uh, the Falcons have been going through that. I mean, Jake Matthews didn't live up to the, what was he? The fifth overall pick. But it was better than Luke Jokel, and he I mean, he made it a big contract. He's fine, but uh, 
still, it's hard to find tackles. Yeah, but I still wanted Penny Sewell in that number four spot to to, yeah. to to come in and and upgrade that position at number four. Now, yep. going back, um, you know, it was obviously the other talent with time to develop. So why I won't give up on Drew? And the other reason why is eighteen starts. There's no reason mm-hmm. to give up on Drew Locke after eighteen starts. And yeah, you know, mentions fifty starts in the SEC, fifty starts in Missouri, but that's it's apples and oranges. The problem mm-hmm. that I think Nick sees is he sees a lot of the same mistakes at Missouri that he sees now with Denver. And when you're continuing to make those same mistakes, then it becomes a little bit of a worry. But after 18 starts in the NFL, this is the year. This is a make or break year for Drew Locke. Now you should know what you're going to get. Uh, yep. Full camp. I'm going to call this second full season starting. I don't care that you got a few games in, in 19. Um, this is this is a make or break year, flat out. Yep. And I, I, will, I will say it's probably a little unfair to Drew, but when you have Justin Herbert coming in uh, with no camp, or because of what's going on in the world as a uh, rookie with, I'm not even going to mince words here, the worst offensive line in football last year, <laughs> just absolutely, absolutely trash. And he sets the all-time rookie passing records, not even playing a full season. Um, you know, your your threshold might be a little different when you have that on top of Patrick Mahomes in the division. So is that fair? I don't know, but uh, this isn't a, a fair world. And uh, this that's the reality of the Broncos division, who they have to get better on. Um, so, uh Looking back at the article, some people say Drew is three years away, and here we all are. Um, yep, here it's we are. Time. So, and if he doesn't win right now, then uh, here we are. And, oh my gosh, Ophir, it's been a while, buddy. How you doing? Uh, hello, boys. Sorry for not being in the chat for a while. Been browsing other <gasps> podcasts. I feel cheated on. Oh man! <laughs> Welcome back, Ophir. Here. It's good to have you back. Um, man, just in time when we we're about to get on out of here. Um, last question I have, or last one we have here, unless any other super chats come in, uh, Patrick Sertan, there's some conversation right now about expectations for him year one, especially against, uh, tight ends. Are you worried about his body type and size against tight ends, making that transition from boundary cornerback at Alabama to uh, more, maybe some, I mean, they've even talked about creating a somewhat new position for him, uh, this season to get him on there to work more dime and to get him in there, um, for, uh, for football teams. Uh, on the field. So am I worried about his body type and positioning as tight ends? Not in coverage, not in how he's going to be used. No way. Uh, in coverage, I love his body type and style and style of play and all of that stuff for uh, coverage and tight ends. I don't want him on the line of scrimmage taking on tight ends in the run game. No way. That's not what he's there for. So, <clears throat> excuse me, in coverage, absolutely. 6'2", uh, can, you know, 35 plus inch vertical leap. I love him. Um, I don't, I don't want him, I don't want him banging heads on the line of scrimmage with tight ends. And I don't think he's gonna. And we got Peter coming with some stars. Reisner leading the line two might help out with bulls and the center. Ooh, Peter, I know you're not from the U S with the way you spelled center there. Um, but, uh, that's a, that's a good one. And also Cushenberry taking a step forward. Cushenberry was a good leader at LSU. He just, he needed some time to work. That's another position year one, uh, especially not top 50 pick. Uh, you might get a little bit of time there. Um, and sending some stars. That's of course. And as you deserve it. Um, also somebody asked earlier, what schools have a uh, good offensive lineman that you can depend on day one? Um, I think of three schools off the top of my head right now, one of them being Iowa, um, Kirk Ferentz has been, people have been trying to pluck Kirk Ferentz from the college ranks to the NFL for a long time for his offensive line prowess. He was offensive line coach with Bill Belichick of the Browns early on. So that's one school. Wisconsin is another develops great offensive lineman year after year. And the other one I would say is uh, Alabama. Are there any other t- other ones off the top of your? Uh, your mine were Alabama, Iowa, Notre Dame. I think Notre Ryan Dame Kelly has had yes. uh, a left tackle chosen like five consecutive times, going yes. back like fifteen years. That's incredible. 
Yes, um, absolutely. In the first round, not just chosen, but in the first round. I don't, I don't think his guy got there this year. I don't remember his name, um, but he didn't fall too far. So, um, you know, Notre Dame does a pretty good job with that as well. Um, but the, the beauty of the offensive line, we talk, you guys hear me say it all the time, that the development amongst the bigger players takes longer. You can find really good players away from the bigger schools. Um, yep. Because, you know, you get a guy that's 6'5", 240 pounds. Nobody took a look at him because he was a five flat 40. And then he leaves college at, you know, 6'6", 310 pounds and still moves like a five flat tight end. Now yep. that's an offensive lineman. So um, the I'll say it one more time before we get out of here, but but skill players are born and, and linemen are built. It just takes a little more time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Lord Deer, I'm one of those people who cannot let something go if uh, something is incorrect. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you say her called me obsessive. I don't know why. Oh my gosh. Um, but, uh, Herbert was playing prevent defenses all day. That helps pad his stats. We have data. We have data for garbage time stats. And, uh, let me pull it up here real quick. I found the graphic of course. Um, and this actually, this might be, should send you guys a uh, quiver down your spine a little bit. Um, but, uh, here we are. I don't know if you guys can see this, the the spider chart going on here. Yeah. I'm very much my, my range there. I'm all over the place when I'm at the, at the range. So the X axis here, which if you guys aren't math nerds like myself, um, the bottom one is X axis. And this is non garbage time quarterbacks EPA per drop. And the left is garbage time EPA per drop. So uh, this comment that Herbert was eating up, um, because of, uh, prevent defenses, he was actually weirdly very like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year in garbage time, but in non-garbage time, he was either the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, And here's Patrick Mahomes way over here, who was um, absolutely just incredible in non-garbage time and actually average in garbage time. So uh, I don't know what this says for the Broncos, um, but the the fact that these guys were both two of the best quarterbacks in football and non-garbage time, uh, I think it's, it worries me a little bit. Maybe it's just a small sample size, so we'll see. But uh, had to get it. Had to get it on there because uh, the <laughs> math is for sissies. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, Nick is a data guy. Yep, sorry, guys. I uh, I knew that we had the uh, – I knew I had that data somewhere, and I'd seen it. Um, but uh, that's why we're here, man. We want to figure out uh, what's going on and to inform you guys as best as possible. Um, faulty, bad narratives. Sometimes we'll spout some, but uh, you guys correct us, and hopefully we can correct you, and we can all learn and grow together. That's what makes this community great. But well, speaking and, of, the- and, and like Nick said earlier, you know, it, it's not just about the numbers. It's I know what my eyes tell me also, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's nice to have the numbers to back that up. But when you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Herbert had a good season last year. There's there's no two ways about it. Yep. Um, the the number with Herbert that does stand to make it, um, him a regression candidate is his ability under pressure. Last year, he was far and away the best quarterback under pressure in football. Drew Locke was actually the worst uh, quarterback in football under pressure. But, but those are numbers, yes. <laughs> Historically, year to year tend to fluctuate greatly. So if you are on uh, a- an extreme of that data set, you'll tend to go closer to the uh, the median um, after that. So, uh, or the, wherever the, uh, uh, gosh, the, the line, I'm, Blanking mean, right middle now. mean yep middle mode. Mean. so there'll be some regression um there for that and that's a positive for drew lock and uh, herbert should probably regress a little bit uh that way so um we'll see uh but guys shout out to the community we um, before we even get to the matters of business uh andrew morrow max powers gary leeds palmer bronco 17 and 0 anthony bomber peter peter middleton 
all of you guys, uh, incredible. Thank you so much for supporting us today with stars and stickers and super chats. You guys are incredible and you're keeping the lights on in here for us. Um, I obviously starting at the seven 30 time when wasn't sure that how that was going to go also wasn't sure how the, the morning show is going to go, but I've been having so much fun every Tuesday and Thursday morning. Uh, shout out to Scott for that as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, you guys in, uh, sending the stars actually make, and the super chats make this possible that we can keep this going because, uh, we uh, early on, uh, threw this out the chat, but we weren't sure how sustainable this model would be. Would people want to come join in the morning? Obviously the views matter a lot, but when also people are showing their, their support financially, um, it, it makes it far more likely that we're going to stick around. So, uh, thank you guys so much. You said it all. So it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> guys, it's Broncos for breakfast uh, every Tuesday and Thursday morning. Uh, you can follow Scott and myself on Twitter, Scott at Scout Kennedy and myself at Nick oh, Kendall. Lord Deer is coming back in again. Oh, so we, we, okay. got a, we got a moment. Okay. Um, oh, Lord Deer. Speaking of uh, north of the border here, um, super sticker, uh, Canadian $7. Uh, thank you very much, Lord Deer. I uh, hope that's great. Um, yeah, enjoyed your, enjoyed your comp- contributions. And Stoney says, um, I don't know if that was for the comments, but if if you hear what what Nick said, said those are those are numbers that fluctuate a lot. So yeah, last year was the worst, but should be better this year. Mm-hmm. Herbert was the best, should come down. So it'll yep. it'll be that'll be something interesting to watch on. And and as as we've always said, it's like I want to see numbers. I enjoy numbers. I want as much information as possible. I want to see numbers, yep. and I want to know why. I want to see what I want to. I see what I see now. I want to see numbers to back up. Okay, this is what I'm seeing, but why? What's going on? Yep. So we're neither one of us are going to make any blind decisions based on strict data or strictly on just the eye test. We want as much information as possible, and then we want to pull, pass that on to you. So we appreciate you being here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I don't know how bad the offensive line was last year for the Broncos. I'd say they were closer to league average, but um, we're going to find out this year. We're going to find out this camp. Honestly, everything with Drew Locke there. So uh, hoping for the best, right? That's all you can do. Best case for the Broncos, Drew Locke's the guy. And I'm pulling for that. Um, you guys can follow us also on Twitter at HuddleUpPod and at Mile High Huddle. Uh, if you guys are joining us on Facebook today, first off, click those thumbs up. We uh, really appreciate that. If you can hit those thumbs up, smash that like button, as we like to say. Uh, we got the hearts coming in here. Ooh, a good amount of hearts here. Steven Tobacco, Ken Booker, Dom Harmilo, Edison De. De Dios, Dave Glassman, Greg Smith, Gary Leeds Palmer, uh, Peter Middleton, Stephen Lazowski, Kalen Green, Carlos Blancas, oh, Claude Riley coming in here also. So uh, thank you, everybody, who hit the thumbs up. We appreciate you. If you are joining us on Facebook today, also go to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle, become a supporter, or also facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. If you guys are joining us on uh, YouTube today, please uh, click the thumbs up, subscribe, like, and share. And, uh, also youtube folks make sure you go to scott's channel youtube.com forward slash scott kennedy um forward slash c forward slash scott kennedy excuse me for the podcast listeners out there i'm trying to do multiple things at once and pull up this one as well go to his page uh scott's got some senior bowl stuff that's uh killing it right now that you guys can check it out because it's uh it's once again uh, relevant and uh, i'm excited to see how scott's channel grows the goal guys if you haven't followed scott's channel yet click that link we're trying to get him to a thousand subscribers before um, the uh, before the start of the season. So I, we got to be getting close. Um, but uh, Scott, any final thoughts before we get on out of here? 
No, what we didn't talk about, uh, we wanted to hit on Quinn Miners a little bit, and he's oh, yeah. kind of doing exactly what we expected, but it's 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 helping to elevate Cushenberry's game, um, mm-hmm. but maybe not ready for prime time at center, which is a tough position to come in as a rookie from a Division three school when you've never played it. So yeah. not too much there. Uh, Jerry Judy, looking for him to, to continue to elevating and maybe be the guy this year. And then... Uh, I'm interested to see, and uh, again, as always, the linebackers. I want to see, I want to see Chubb and Von Miller going, and and yeah, let's look forward to tonight to some uh, some football Hall of Fame game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, everyone, stay safe. We appreciate everyone for joining in today, um, and we will see you all next Tuesday. But until then, love y'all. Go Broncos.